the first chapter of Acts. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning till the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The word of life. So this book begins with this phrase, in the first book, Theophilus, in the first book. Our best biblical scholars tell us that the first book that is referenced here is the Gospel of Luke. They give us three compelling reasons for that. First, they note that the Gospel of Luke and this Acts of the Apostles are both addressed to Theophilus. It uses the same name in both accounts. We also see a particular interest in spreading the gospel to the Gentiles in both Luke and this Acts of the Apostles. We know that Luke was a Gentile physician who traveled with Paul, who was a part of these missionary journeys, revealing and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. The other thing the scholars notice as they parse over these books is that in Acts, sometimes the story is told in third person, other times it switches to first person, particularly when it's talking about Paul's missionary journeys. We know from other biblical references that Luke qualifies for one who traveled with Paul on some of these journeys to the Gentiles. Therefore, our best scholars say, book one, gospel of Luke, book two, the Acts of the Apostles. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. The big question being addressed is not only what happened, but what do we do now? Now that Jesus has been raised from the dead and ascended into heaven, what do we do we're taught, the disciples are thinking, about all this mission that God has given us through Christ. We've been hearing about the kingdom of God and how God is at work in the world through us. But what do we do now? What's going to happen next? You can hear them questioning in verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? 
So these early Christians are thinking in part that this kingdom of God of which Jesus had taught them was in some ways going to be a political kingdom. Part of what they're wondering is, can they get rid of the Romans? The Romans are in their land. The Roman Empire has taken over their country. They're wondering, can we get the Romans off our backs? Is this the time that this is going to happen? They're also wondering, as other places in our Christian scriptures do, is this kingdom of God going to be some kind of cataclysmic ending? Is the end of the world and the universe coming? And they are wondering. They think maybe Jesus is now, as the risen Christ will tell them. They get an answer, but I don't think it's probably the answer they were looking for. In verse 7, right after they asked about, is this the time? Jesus replies, it is not for you to know. It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by His own authority. Biblical wisdom tells us that it does not serve us well to focus on those things like when this or that may happen. It is not for you to know, Jesus says, how the end will come. Yet, there is something you can do. And the book of Acts is all about what we can do. We can take action on behalf of the gospel. We can continue this proclamation that Christ has been raised, that He is alive, that God's love is even stronger than death. In our text, right after the risen Christ says to them, it's not for them to know, then they are redirected. Jesus redirects them toward the more fruitful focus. What he tells them is the more fruitful focus is staying connected to God through the Holy Spirit and allowing that relationship in Christ to guide you to act, to move you to action, to move you into the world. It's like our breathing. We have to breathe in and breathe out to stay alive. And our life of faith is similar. We have to breathe in the Holy Spirit, and then we are empowered to breathe out into the world, to breathe out in loving actions, to breathe out, as Jesus says in this passage, as witnesses to what God is doing in the world. We breathe in, come to worship, breathe out, go love your neighbor. Breathe in, come to Bible study, breathe out, share what you've learned. Breathe in, in a daily time of prayer, breathe out what the Spirit impresses upon your spirit in terms of your own life. Breathe in, Holy Spirit, breathe out, join the resurrection conspiracy. If you were here on Easter, the first few Sundays after Easter, I was talking about this idea that the conspiracy or the conspirators are those who are working together. I reminded you it comes from the same Latin root word as inspire or respiration. Conspire is with breath. The idea is those who are breathing together, those of us working together to spread this good news of the power of God's love overcoming Eve and death are those who are a part of the resurrection conspiracy. We are the ones God is calling to share this good news in the world. 
Now, this book is called the Acts of the Apostles because it tells all these stories of how God is doing just that through these early Christians. Others say, really, a better title would be the Acts of the Holy Spirit because nothing happens in this book that's not empowered and guided and directed by God's Spirit through these early disciples. Whether or not you want to focus on the acts of the Holy Spirit or the acts of the apostles matters not to me. Either way, the action is to center around being witnesses to God's love alive in the world. We're being called to be witnesses. You hear it in verse 8, right after Jesus says, it's not for you to know, but then he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. It's a proclamation of our task, the one that God has set before us through Christ Jesus our Lord. Months ago, you may remember, I told you that I'd seen this church consultant. He had talked about how we can be more loving and kind within the walls of our church. He talked about what he called the 5-10 link rule. Remember? What he said was that we would do so much better in our local churches when we are here if we would think about this 5-10 link rule. Five had to do with time. He suggested that five minutes before the service and five minutes after the service that we're on the lookout for those we do not know. They may be newcomers. They may just be someone we have not met. But our task would be go and introduce ourselves, Let them know our name. Learn their name. And then share it with another and introduce them to someone else. The 10 had to do with 10 feet. That if anyone comes by you on a Sunday morning or another time that you're here and you don't recognize them, you make it your job to introduce yourself to them as well. You get to know their name. You find out about them. Tell them a little bit about yourself. And then the link part had to do with that second step of introducing them to someone else. So you hear their name again. You learn a little more about them. They meet somebody else in the church. It's a way to increase the hospitality of Christ. It's one way that we can witness even when we're here at the church. Research tells us that a person new to a church needs to know seven people by name to begin to feel like they belong. Now, most people are not coming to visit a church thinking, I doubt that I can belong there. Most come thinking, can I belong there? Will I be included? Is this a place for me? Will they be friendly? Will they help me? Will they walk with me? And those of us who have already been here a week or two or a year or a decade or more are the ones who help answer that questions for those whom God is just calling to this place. We have opportunity to be witnesses to God's love alive in the world even when we come here together to study and worship and fellowship. We talked about in our core values that one of the things we hold up is that we will strive to be excellent in the service to God. This is one arena where we could improve. This is one arena where we could take a step toward excellence if we're willing to step out and meet someone new and get to know them and become a part of their family of faith here at Boston Avenue. But it's not just in the church building where we witness. 
as I was reading through this passage, I began to think of all the different people in our midst who serve, who are witnesses to God's love alive in the world, and they do it completely outside of the church. I think of a young woman in our congregation that works for an organization that's founded and functions out of Tulsa but serves people in Nicaragua. She's worked with this organization for some years, did bookkeeping and accounting, has now become their director. Through her efforts, some of our youth and adults had opportunity to go with her to Nicaragua to serve some of the poorest of the poor, to help them have food to eat. They're working on farming, clean water to drink. They're working on water wells, literacy in their communities where the schools are almost non-existent. And I thought about our youth and our adults who went with her to Nicaragua, and I thought, surely they are witnesses to God's love alive in the world. I thought of a couple of our businessmen. These brothers have committed themselves to defeating Alzheimer's in our lifetime. If you will give them a minute, they will begin to tell you all about it and the work they're doing and the progress we're making. They are inspired and inspiring. They are rallying their friends and their family, people in their company, to fight this dreaded disease that strikes so many of us or members of our family. And they are working at all different levels, local, state, and national, to bring resources to bear that Alzheimer's might be defeated in our lifetime. And when I see them work, I think they are witnessing to their faith. They're a witness to a better future. They're witnessing and living out their faith in their efforts in this fight. I thought about our intercessory prayer team. Do you know we have over 100 people that after we gather prayer concerns on a Sunday morning or throughout the week that have committed themselves to pray by name for you and me and others who have needs in our congregation. Now they get the names and the concerns from here but they're on their own time in terms of the prayer outside of the church, outside of Sunday. They are working to pray for each and every one of us who's turned in a concern. I thought they are witnessing to their faith. It's an almost invisible ministry unless your name or someone you love is on the list. And then you begin to think about all those who are supporting you. You begin to feel the power of their prayers. You're able to see the results of what is happening in your life or in the life of one you love. I think they are being witnesses throughout the world in the name of Christ. I thought about so many of our people who through career or through volunteering or working in our community to fight prejudice and bias and bigotry, to reach out to those who are on the margins of society and make sure that they know that God loves them. They give of their time and their talent and their resources to reach out to those who've been pushed aside, to those who feel forgotten and discarded, and make sure they hear this proclamation of God's love is available for them. I think they're being witnesses throughout the world. And I thought about so many of these that I knew that are on our list of honored dead this morning. So many of them were leaders in our midst, gave of themselves as a living sacrifice, if you will, to strengthen this church, to reach out and serve in the name of Christ, to do all they could think of, 
to serve Christ in this church and beyond. And what an inspiration that so many of them are willing to serve as they did throughout their lifetime. And I thought of that part of the liturgy that we read earlier this morning, how fitting it was. All loving and everlasting God, who sparks the flames of love in the hearts of your saints. Grant us sincere faith and love, that as we rejoice in their triumphs, we may also be inspired by their examples. So many walking along beside us are serving as witnesses. They came here to breathe in the Holy Spirit, then they went out to breathe out acts of love in the world. They were willing to breathe in through prayer and faith and breathe, breathe out through service and action. I do not think it's too strong to say our life in Christ is like breathing in and breathing out with God. God is with us through it all. What needs do you see that perhaps if you were empowered by the Holy Spirit, you could meet? What people do you know that need a word of love and of encouragement and maybe empowerment as they struggle with their lives? Who might God be calling you to serve? in your daily walk with Christ. Jesus makes this promise. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, 